Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Founder's Bible with Brad Cummings. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight we're going to have a fantastic show with Pastor Brad Cummings, who's coming on this evening to talk about the Founder's Bible its origins, his development, and so many things that go along with this. Truly, the book, our text, the Bible for our times, what I consider to be as important, if not more important, than the Gutenberg Bible in the time of our founding, and how that influenced the entire period of colonial era and the Revolutionary War, I truly believe that the Founder's Bible is of that importance, that in the hands of everybody, read, it gives us the context of our origins as a nation, the histories that we don't know, and truly puts it in context of what our nation really is, a nation that was built on Scripture, which is truly fantastic. Before we get going tonight, one thing we have to be evidently, is should be evident to everybody, is that they are in the move right now to collapse the economic system and force everybody into some form of a CBDC, digital currency, using the leverage of digital to replace the chaos of paper fiat, which ultimately has no value. You have to be concerned about your retirement savings. This is an area they're looking to target and pill for any chance they get. And right now, everybody's at risk until you get that into something of substance. Now, while I'm not an investment advisor, the folks at Birch Gold are, and they can help you move your 401ks and your IRAs into precious metals-backed retirement accounts and help you set up precious metals-backed retirement accounts. All you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. You'll receive a free information packet, and with that, you'll be able to read up, get, get informed on what they can offer, and then give them a call. And as you give them a call, then they will be able to work you through what they can provide for you. If you have an existing 401k or or IRA, it's no charge to you to transfer that that, and move that account into a precious metals-backed retirement account. And I highly recommend that you do. This is a big year. A lot of critical things going on. A lot of shifts in the economy. Obviously, the intent is to break the economy and rupture many other things to force us into compliance into their system. And you want to do everything you can to protect that precious the preciously hard-earned wealth that you have in your IRAs and 401ks. So again, t- type in BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to and send it to the number 989898. That'll give you a free information packet from Birch Gold. And from there, you can read, get informed, and give them a call. Once you do that today, it'd be great. Now, you also, you should know at this point in time that there are t- were 231 signers on the Declaration of Military Accountability, which is now being acronymed as DMA and also referred to as a reference as the 231. What happened yesterday was very significant, and I'm not going to tell you it doesn't feel good. Happening, it, does, it feels pretty good happening on my birthday. Yesterday, in the subcommittee on National Security and Border and Foreign Affairs hearing, the DMA, the De- De- Declaration of Military Accountability, was entered into the congressional record. Take a listen. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I want to submit for the record uh, something called 
The Declaration of Military Accountability, an open letter to the American people from signatories of the Declaration of Military Accountability into the record. And just like that, this document was entered into the congressional record. Now, why this is important is on many levels. One, this is an investigative hearing that they were doing this with. Number two, this makes it protected communications. So the ability for it to now be blanked off the web, thanks to Google and its and other compliant elements with the deep state and DOD's agents, it's going to make this increasingly difficult. They can still do it, but they will be subject to a lawsuit, which is good. The other element in this that is important is this puts it into an official congressional record so congressmen can't refuse to see it. It's their responsibility to read it. It also gives it traction within the JAG Corps as this begins to move forward. Understand that the military is taking this very seriously. They are very shaken by this letter at the, geo, the general officer level, by this, this letter, and they are starting to take action, punitive action, against anybody in uniform that has signed this letter and considering it to be a sense of mutiny. This will be used most probably as a propaganda statement going forward, and it's exactly as we expected, and it must be done. Never in the history of the United States has a group of people collectively come together, I should say a group of veterans collectively come together and called for the course martial of every single flag officer. That means admirals and generals as a whole. That class of people currently is under the microscope. They are afraid. They know what they have done. They are truly in, in a desperate situation, knowing very well that the crimes that they've been committed have been crimes against humanity. They've committed treason, and they have violated their oath. Now, if you get a chance, listen to this morning's show. It was important. We talked about moral courage. And the fact of the matter is that we're looking for generals now to step forward and do the right thing to come forward and to sign things. Now, if you do see a signature as somebody on the public petition, and if it says a general or says something like that, be careful and not get too excited about it. Every one of those names that has any sort of weight to it is being heavily investigated because there is also a deception and in degradation camp campaign going on to destroy the integrity of this operation, this movement that we're doing here which is to try to get us to publicly proclaim certain generals' names even though they're not validated with the person. We've already found one of them. There was somebody who signed on as General Petraeus, which we know was not true. So I'm cautioning you. When you see things like this, be calm and be, cautious, be careful what names we, especially names that are listening themselves as generals and so forth of higher rank, until we, you hear that from an official channel related to the, the, the 231 or the DMA, those are just simply names on a roster that we are val working to val validate and verify with in-person conversations. But I will guarantee you this has caught enough traction now that all sorts of campaigns are being waged to try to degrade this operation and to try to defame all of us involved in it. Take everything with a grain of salt, question everything, verify everything, and challenge yourself to seek truth. Understand that we are dealing with an evil tyranny, a tyranny that is desperate to try to keep itself in power, who has gone far beyond the limits of the Constitution, and with it we have an entire class of leadership in our military that has become deeply corrupted in its own obsessive power and its arrogance towards the people and its soldiers. It is something that we are going to fight, and we will, at the end we will win, and we will hold everybody accountable. But in the meantime, we are at war, so remember that. So tonight we're really honored to have Brad Cummings on. And if you didn't know, he is the editor of the Founder's Bible. The Founder's Bible is the Bible for our time. There's just no question about it. It's a Bible that is equal to the Geneva Bible of the era of the revolution. This is the Bible of our time that really puts everything in perspective of where our country came from, 
and how that weaves into the foundations of God and our loving Christ. The Word of God is what built this country. This country was built from the pulpit. And so take advantage of this time. Read the Founders Bible. To get that, you need to go to thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. Use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to get 20% off on the Bible or even the Bible app. You need to get this Bible. It is, it is probably the most important purchase you will ever make. And it's something that will become part of your family, part of your legacy, part of the greatest knowledge you will ever receive because it ties everything together. The histories we're not to- told about in our country, how it all comes together, how our founding fathers built and into the entire documents of this nation based on biblical framing. So again, go to thefoundersbible.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, get 20% off, and get one of these Bibles today. Now with that said, patriots, we are going to now introduce our, bring on board here one of my best friends and truly one of the great minds of our time, which is Pastor Brad Cummings. Brad, you on? Hey, I'm on. It's great to have you. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm 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 fired up that you guys gave a, a near declaration of new independence. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it's like finally. Yeah, and, something. and it's got some people turned up, which is even better. We know that's the best way to do it. You knew that British didn't enjoy it. When, well, you, you know what I mean. The the revolution was concocted by Patrick Henry. And, uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson hanging out in a tavern. They would sit in the back and they would talk seditiously. Oh, I they like that say, even better. This ain't working. No. And this has got to change. So it seems like you, you and a few others have been sitting around talking seditiously. And I think that's great. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like 2,000, somewhat 700 plus episodes of seditious discussion going on. That's great. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> it's about time. It is. It truly is. I mean, it's really good. It's actually amazing how much traction this thing took in such a short amount of time. Really. I mean, from the first, right, to the it, 11th. It, it is, but it isn't. I think there's such a, a pent up angst. And I think I think the the fundamental problem is we haven't recognized there's always only ever been one solution to an out of control government. Yeah. And that's an engaged people that say, we're not doing this. I fully agree. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's hundred percent correct. I think most people, they don't feel empowered. Why? Because they actually don't know who they are and they don't know what their rights are. They don't know where they come from because we don't know our foundations you guys actually kind of do, and you're finally just going like, hey, you know, um, we're not okay with this, and someone needs to be held accountable. And and just as fear is contagious, I think courage is equally just as contagious. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. And and actually, you're, you're right, Brad. I spoke to that specifically this morning on this morning's show about moral courage. And literally just that, that once you start moving the ball with people now suddenly realize it's like, oops, I'm not the only one here. I can jump in. And we that's what we're trying to find, right? Yeah, I, I remember in, in the midst of the, the, the our, our wonderful pandemic of COVID, <laughs> I remember I had to go into the bank. And I don't know about you, but I just, I like oxygen. And so <laughs> I just refused to put on my mask. Yeah. 
And everyone, when I walked in, there was a row of like 30 people. They all were six feet apart and they all had masks on. And I just refused. I'm going like, I'm not doing this. It's like, I need oxygen. You don't have a right to do this. Your little statute is not a law they're in make. It's like, I'm sorry. I, I, I have authority and I don't have to obey your little statute. We didn't vote on this. It's not okay. And I'm not doing it. And I, I also realized it's not healthy for me. So by the time I finally got up to the counter, over two thirds of the people in the bank took their masks off and started grinning at each other. Oh my goodness. That's good. I got to tell you that that was such a profound moment for me. Cause I sat there going like, you know what? These are not a bunch of stupid sheep that just don't have courage. I think I think there's something amazing about the people in America, and I honestly believe this. I think they want to do what's right mm-hmm. more than not. I mean, the ones we know about in the news are just the knuckleheads that are just reprobate. But I think the average citizen is just going like, you know, if you'd leave me alone, I just would love to enjoy my liberty. I'd love to do my life, and I'd love you to not bother me. And so I think a lot of people comply with a lot of things just because they they really are not trying to be rebellious, you know, reprobates. But they need some people to stand up and actually say, hey, excuse me, what's going on? It's not okay. And we don't have to do it. So I it's think. okay. You, you, you can actually do what's in your heart. Just need to give you a little encourage. And I, I agree. That's good. I, I, I think, you know, I, I look at your guys – statement of accountability i'm just going like okay the the big issue on the planet today is where is any justice is there anybody that's actually going to stand up and say this is wrong and there are consequences for it and i think that's at the core what you guys basically made a collective statement that just says yeah there's consequences someone has to be held responsible you did wrong you should face the music of what you did wrong because you violated your oath. You you have, have, have what you've done is functionally treasonous, even if it's just a lack of courage. It's like, sorry, courage was required of you. Yes. Yeah, it's, and, well, it's well said, Brett. Absolutely. Well, so, I, I think what you the, the beautiful thing about working in this format towards the military is there's that is one system. That once it gets on the right path and there is moral courage reinitiated, the UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice, is extremely efficient and very clear about what your rights and consequences are. Right? It's not. It's not the messed up law system we have here. It's pretty clear. You mean it's not permissive parenting of the U.S. courts of no justice? Correct. No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is the truth. So at the end of the day, like when I make comments like uh, you might be swinging from a rope, there's real truth to that. That isn't, oh, hey, you know, nice. it's like, hmm, you know, it's like, hey, nice. sorry, but you, you did like, wrong. Do you like your new necktie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Well, this really leads us right into beautifully right into the Founders Bible. Now, you heard my, I sent you the show the other night, which I did last night on what I call yes. field, field manual. Thank, thank you for the big shout out. I, I, I do. I mean, I kind of, I kind of surprised myself going like, wow, Lord, you know what? I think you really knew what you were doing when you suggested like to, to put this together. Yes. Well, I'm just kind of like, oh, I think it's now essential reading. Well, I, Brad, I, you know how I feel about this. I think this is your anointing. 
I mean, I'm just going to be very honest. I think that this is this is your calling in this hour because I don't think that there's anything more important for the nation to have other than everybody read this Bible. And I mean this because there's it is the one place where you put the two pieces together of who we are as a nation, God's word and the motive and understanding of our founding fathers, which it's brilliantly done. And, and that's just proof that God was in the mix because I'd love to take all the credit for it, but the truth is, is I have learned so much more in the last 12, 13 years of it being out than, frankly, I knew at the time in which we drafted it. So, you know, when I look at it, I'm going like, I am super proud of what's in there, but I just kind of go like, yeah, like many of the other things I've done, I think, God, you have snuck something past even the people that that did the work for it. And, you know, I think that the, the best comment I ever got was a guy that uh, took two cases of Bibles back to Zimbabwe. Because he sat wow. there and he he said back to me, he said, you know what you have produced here? And I said, um, no, sir, I don't know that I... I don't know that I fully do. I, I kind of do, but but what are you saying? He said, I am taking two cases of these, and I will place them in the government of Zimbabwe because we are, we are basically the most destroyed country in the world, and this was prior to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And he said, we have lost our, our way, and they've destroyed our economy, and what you have placed in this is not just the history of what God has done in America. You have put together a blueprint for liberty for every single nation on the face of this earth. And he says, I thank you. This will be required reading for every elected official in our government as we seek to restore the nation of Zimbabwe. Wow. I just, I mean, I was I was flat out stunned because I kind of went, um, I don't think I know enough. I don't think I'm old enough. I don't think I'm wise enough to have understood that. And yet he did. And and he is, is one of the guys that is the, the, you know, it's like he was wrongly imprisoned for many, many years. And then he helped establish a, 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 an alternate economy and a means of transacting things that allowed that nation to start restoring itself. And here he is trying to work and, and basically say, I'm putting these in the parliament so that they can actually read and understand. And it's not that, you know, we're going to worship America. It's like we're going to understand the roadmap for freedom. And I just sat there going like, no way. Um, I think that's a true statement. But it's not like like some architect I knew that's what we had done. In the beginning of the Founders Bible, you give a a rather concise, but nonetheless a, a very insightful um, look as how this all came about. Can you kind of go over that? Because it's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I actually had no intention of being a Bible publisher. <laughs> I just go like, you know, it, the world does not need another Bible. The world needs to read the Bible it has. And so <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking, yeah, I just, I have this passion to be a Bible publisher, but um. I had been a part of a, a an internet startup thing with the guy that invented a digital music, which is pretty profound. Yep. He, he built iTunes and sold it to Steve Jobs, and we had contracts with basically the who's who of everything in Malibu. And um, I knew that Glenn Beck was being pushed out of Fox, and so I was on a task to go 
present something to him going like, you know what? I think we can build you your own siloed platform to make this happen. And um, little did I know that David Barton was kind of like his best friend and kind of like a gatekeeper to just sort of suss out whether someone's for real or, or not. And so I went to spend three days with David Barton and my intention was to, you know, build his trust, get to know what he's at, see if this works. And in the course of spending time with him in Alito, he has the single biggest um, vault of original source documents, second only to the Library of Congress for the founding era. And so when I'm there, I'm there for three days and his entire staff and he and his, his, his son and his daughter, they're all telling me stories about the founding of America and the people involved. And, you know, I had 16 units of American church history and seminary. It's kind of like, you know, figured that's pretty good at a master's degree. It's like, I should know stuff. And they're telling me stuff I've never heard before. And it's kind of pissing me off because I'm going like, how come I don't know this? If anyone that should know this, I should know this. And they're presenting these founders and they're talking about guys I've never heard of before. Like Benjamin Rush is the patron saint of the Founders Bible. It's like it's Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and Benjamin Rush. That's probably the three most instrumental guys. But nobody knows about Benjamin Rush because he's the most outspoken Christian in the group. And I'm hmm. like, how come I've never heard of Benjamin Rush? And it's like, you know, America's first textbook for public school education was the Bible. Wow. Compliments of Benjamin Rush. And the, the old deluder Satan law from the 1650s was wherever they had more than 50 homes in an area, it was mandated that they had to build a public school, and their textbook was the Bible, and they would teach everyone the Bible. Why? Because they didn't want to go through the horrors of the Dark Ages when people did not know the Word of God, and they were just tyrannically ruled over and murdered in the tens of thousands and millions of people because they didn't have the light of truth governing who they were and what was right. And so they wanted to make sure we, we're, we're not going to be ignorant of the light of truth. That's why we have such a thing called public school. I'm hearing these things for the first time going like, wait a minute, I'm a product of public school. And if that's why we have public school, how come I've never heard that? How come you could not even bring your Bible into school? How come like the Ten Commandments is now you got to remove that from school? And you're just going like, what the heck? And so the more I was hearing this and the more I was hearing it like, you know, not it's, it was like quadraphonic. It was like, I'm going like, why do we not know this? And it's making me, it's bothered because it's like I'm being told our real history and one, I don't know it. And then the other thing that's exciting me is here I'm a pastor professional Bible guy. I don't know this, and I have no idea that it's the Bible that's inspiring all of these ideas. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, it makes me fall in love with the Bible even more, going like, no way. This thing is so precious, and we take it so for granted. It's not like the Bible's not out there. It's just it's all collecting dust because people don't read it. And I'm going like, oh, we got to change this. So in in my hotel room, that like the second night, I'm just kind of vexed by this. And all of a sudden, you know, God, 
decides to invade my little hotel room and he says, I want you to do the founder's Bible. <laughs> I'm going like, what's that? <laughs> wow. And it's like, Lord, I mean, is, is this you? And it's like, I, you know, me and Jesus, we're buddies. It's like, we talk and I'm just going like, what, what do you want me to do? He said, what's happening to you right now? I said, I'm getting fired up about the Bible. He said, that's what's, that's the gift I've placed in that guy, David Barton. It's like, he's getting a drink from a fire hydrant. It's the guy's walking, talking encyclopedia. He knows a lot, but that's not what I was impressed about. What I was impressed about is virtually everything that he knows comes back to the foundation of the truth and the wisdom that he's spouting. It's coming from the Bible. And I'm just going like, we don't have our story straight. We don't know our history. And the, the best way to destroy the life inside a plant is to cut it off from its roots. That's well said. So what was your next step then? Because you were still there for a day or two with David Barton, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the next day at breakfast, I, I, I decided to tell him the conversation I had that night. <laughs> and because I wasn't there trying to do anything. I mean, it's like that, that was not why I was there. I was there because he was the gatekeeper to Glenn Beck, and we were going to do kind of a media deal with Glenn. And um, I said, David, I said, you know, I this is kind of a surprise to me, but last night I had, was I was talking with the Lord, and he initiated the conversation, and he says, I want you to do the Founder's Bible. And I said, the best thing I can understand is I said, I think – the history of what you're telling me, what you, your daughter Damaris, your son Tim, it's like you guys have all told me stories that I should know something about as a master's education, you know, little specialty in U.S. history and American church history. I said, you've been telling me things I've never heard before. And it's making me mad, but it's also making me excited. And I'm thinking people need to know this. And it's not just neat, read another history book. It's like they need to understand where all of this came from. And it really is the foundation of the scriptures. And I said, do you, I said, are you at all interested in doing a project like that? Little did I know all the main Bible publishers for the last 10 years had been courting him to try to do something about that. And he had basically told them no. I don't know why he told them no. But I'm asking something that they had been kind of sneaking around trying to do. And I think because I didn't have an agenda and it was a real genuine response of passion and it was the Lord, I think that whole timing converged. And he kind of looked at me and said, yeah, what do you think that looks like? And so I came up with 88 questions <laughs> that, that I had. Over the last two days of going like, if what you're telling me is true, here's how my brain works. And I got a super big brain and it does think a lot. And so the truth is, is I just went to town and going like, hey, if what you're telling me is, is the truth and I don't know this, then these are the things I want to know. And this is what I want to figure out. And it's like, could we answer these questions? And then if you have anything else you want to put into it, you know, why don't you do that? Now, let me give some some background to why that was even something I thought I could do. I had spent the day 
um, the, the week prior to actually going down with David Barton, I had spent it with two wonderful men who are my two partners in the Bible, John Peterson and David Cushell. And they are sort of like the super design firm that does maybe 95% of all the work for most of the main Christian authors and, you know, publishers out there. And, um, and the week that I'd spent time with them, they had, John in particular had showed me like, here's all the Bibles that we've developed. And I kind of, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, that's great. That's amazing. Wow. That looks amazing. I just realized they had a prowess in being able to produce these things. But honestly, at the time that he was telling me, I couldn't, I really didn't give a rip. I was like, why, why is this guy being at pains to tell me all the things that they can produce? And then we spent uh, a, a few days together in Idaho listening to an intelligence briefing where I was given, of all things, a crazy thumb drive about um, Obama's fake birth certificate. Hmm. And I was tasked by some, you know, military intelligence guys to, like, could you get this to some influential people that could do something about this? And this was before it had all broken news and so i was like well yeah i'm about to go down and you know so maybe I'll, i was i was tasked with this thumb drive to go give it to both you know david barton and glenn beck and it was to expose the whole fraudulent presidency of barack obama and that was big that's kind of a big deal yeah a little bit and so somewhere in in the time that i spent it's like i let them know i have this thumb drive and someone wants you to do something with this and they kind of looked at me like, well, Brad, we already know about that, and nobody in Washington on either side of the aisle is willing to do anything about it. And I kind of went, well, that's like super tragic. <laughs> if this is true information and nobody's willing to do anything about it, I don't understand. I mean, I was, I was just vexed. And the more we looked at this, the more I sat there going like, you know what? We have lost our foundations. We don't know who we are as a people. We don't know how our government is spent, meant to work. We really need to kind of relay the foundations and make this very clear. So I think those two things came together at only the kind of confluence that God could kind of bring them together. And I was just lit up with a sense of passion of going like, you know what, we have to do this. I had no idea how difficult it is to do a Bible, have no idea how costly it was <laughs> to put something together. But like, you know, the movie Field of Dreams when Kevin Costner is listening to whispers mm -hmm. and yes. he's told to build something and he kind of like, you know, okay, I'll do it. And it required me to plow my field under. I mean, I had no idea what the expense would be, but the truth is, is God had actually allowed me to be previously successful with something else. So I had a, 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 you know, boatload of resource and I just spent it all in producing this. Wow. And, you know, it's like when David was given the opportunity to buy a field and he was supposed to make an offering unto God, he basically said, you know, um, no, you can't give me this. I want to buy it. Why? Because... I don't want to offer to God that which costs me nothing. So when I look at the 
the sheer economic cost of putting all this together, and I never took any outside money. I bankrolled the whole thing myself. I had no idea that it would take us five, nearly six print runs to, to, to get to break even. But it didn't matter because God had already put too much passion inside me that it's like, you know what? This just has to be done. So that's a little bit of the backstory. I didn't I didn't put that in the in little intro thing, but um, I recognize today, 13 years later after we after bringing it out, um, it's more important today than it was even 12 years ago. No, I, I don't think it's so like, wow. I, well, I don't think there's anything more important right now in our nation. I mean, I think this is, as I say this on the show regularly, and it was what caught the fire with me when we first talked about this, which is almost two years ago, is the principle that this is equivalent to the Gutenberg Bible at the time. So we, we've had th- this gift, basically, and a nation in a crisis that doesn't know uh, it's history. We've had the Gutenberg Bible, Schofield Bible was a derailment. A lot of the of the of our faith taking us down one but rabbit hole. I think the Geneva Bible is what you're oh, it's, uh, okay. referring to. The, the original, because yep. that what was what was amazing about the Geneva Bible at the time of the reformers is they wrote an awful lot of commentary that they put in the margins of the Bible. That was basically like missile shots over the bow of the monarchy. You know, um, one thing about the Geneva Bible that I'm not a fan of is it's kind of they were all coming from a super Calvinist kind of reform position. And I've never made for a good Calvinist guy. That's that's sort of like the the, the notion that it's all been predetermined. And I'm kind of like, eh, I don't think it was Calvin. That inspired the freedom um, to change the world. I think it was a bunch of guys that kind of said, you're questioning the monarchy. And you've got notes in here of a bunch of guys that decided to stand up to the system of the day and say, we're not so sure that the truth that you pretend that you're, you're walking in matches what's here in the scriptures. And so... What was so amazing about the Geneva Bible is because it was challenging the authority of the day. That was the Bible that was smuggled into America at the initial beginnings because the King James Bible was forbidden to be printed. It was sort of like you, you could be killed. It was a felony, you know, capital offense to print the Bible in America in the early days. And <laughs> you just go like, Wow. Hey, we're back there now. <laughs> well, I think so much, you and I've had this conversation, so much of the Revolutionary War was just part of an untold history. And in that whole period was the protection of the presses, even. I mean, yeah. I, we look at how much it, it was an information war, which we don't really look at typically. But without the printing of broadsheets that were going up on town squares, without these pamphlets that were be done and done at the middle of night, under even right around British guards, which I have no idea how they were doing this because this is phenomenal when you can think about the machines, right? And so it's just an ongoing story about really it was a it was a revolution based on printing first and foremost. You are absolutely. It's an information war, right? And it was it was it was all about you know what the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a wonderful verse in the Bible. But it doesn't work like gravity because it's like if you don't know the truth, you will not be free. 
It's that the, the problem is not the truth. The problem is, do you know it? And that's that's where we're at. It's like the, the guys that 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 were first in trouble with the you know institution of the church is they were the ones that decided to say, you know what? I don't want to go to the state meeting of church. They're just dead, boring, and stupid. I would sooner meet with a few of my friends, and we're going to talk about the things that really stir us. We're going to read the Bible for ourselves. And it's like, that was a capital crime. You'd be thrown in jail if you were found reading the Bible on your own. And you're just going, like, serious? We could all do that capital crime today, right now. But, but we're not that revolutionary. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And you just go like, serious? No way. They were so fired up with what they were learning. And they were tired of what they were told. And it's like, wow, when, when all of a sudden that light gets turned on on the inside of a human being, game over for the devil. I mean, just game over. Good luck stopping that soul once it recognizes that its natural state was one of liberty. Hmm. I've been given authority that doesn't come through another man. It comes direct from God. And, and so many of the ideas that were enshrined in our Declaration of Independence, they were lived and fought for in the 70-some years, 100-some years before they were penned in the Declaration of Independence. It's like these people were going like, wait a minute. What's actually true? How does this really work? How are we supposed to live together? And and it's like they were questioning like this monarchy thing where the few basically live in luxury at the expense of the many. That's for the birds. That's not OK. We're, we're not doing that anymore. And they were finding that it was the pages of the Bible that was instructing them that says, you know what, this whole notion of the equality of all men, regardless of color of skin, regardless of station of life. That's a creational thing of God. I, I, I wished, I mean, in the 12 years that I have trafficked in the Founders Bible material since we first drafted it, I sort of feel like I've gone from a high school education to a PhD. And you've just gone like, wow, I wish I had the depth of knowledge and mastery of it that I do today back when we first penned it but then when i when i when i spend time reading the very things we wrote i just go like wow this is extraordinary because it's all there i just understand it better and it's like now i recognize wait a minute what's happening today is utterly wrong why because it violates the basic code of common law and the whole purpose of why we established governments that's good when you approached this, you had a pretty monumental task. What was, how did you organize this? Because you you were looking at bringing together U.S. history. You said you had 88 questions, I think. And critical history is to try to weave that into scripture, which means you had to go through an enormous amount of source documents, and you're going to have to do summaries as well. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the truth is, is 
I think when we finished it, um, David Barton, it's like he had already spent 30 years of uh, life invested in this as sort of like the tip of the spear. And I got to basically sit at the feet and have a wonderful discussion with him of 30 years of a man's most significant life's work. And we basically pulled out of him the best of the best of all the stuff that he'd ever produced. And it went through a fresh filtering of, I'm a very inquisitive soul. And I, I, I don't like to just know what, I need to know why, and I need to know how. And so the material that, that you know, when he would, you know, write an article, you know, being the general editor, it's kind of like, I'm just going like, you know, unashamedly, I'm a, I'm a good writer. It's like, you know, we had written a, a best-selling book that sold 20 million copies. And it's like, yeah, I had something to do with that. Um, and so I just took the material and just said, you got to keep refining it into the so what, why does this matter? You know, it's like if this if this changed the known world of the day. I mean, what happened in America, this great little experiment, it broke the mold of the world. It's it it utterly changed everything. And I think it's still the primary battlefront because I think there's groups of people that want to say, see, you can't live it. See, it doesn't work. See, it's going to fail. And I want to say, no, sirs, not true. You have deceived us for a while, but if we get back to the building block ingredients of what it really is, it will work anywhere, anytime, with any people, because it's true. And that's kind of, you know, what we did is I let curiosity and my need to know why and why it matters kind of govern what we ended up with the material and I don't think there's a bad article in the bunch. There's there's like 1,200 pages of ancillary material uh, along with the absolute wonderful Bible itself. And we decided to place the articles right next to the very verses that inspired the content. Like, you know, like why do we have three branches of government? Well, it's built on the primary premise that the heart is deceitfully wicked in Jeremiah. And you're just going like, we're going to then decentralize power because we don't trust people. We don't trust the heart of man. We think it's it's not just wicked, it's deceitfully wicked, which means you can, you can fake yourself out. So we're going to decentralize power and we're going to put checks and balances. That's the fundamental reason why we don't have a single despot. We don't have a monarch. We don't have a ben beneficent dictator. It's because we don't trust that guy. The truth is today... Our government is no longer a republic. It doesn't function like the Constitution demands. We're back to an oligarchy, an entrenched bunch of people of a privileged class, and they think they're above the law. And so everything that founded this nation, we're not living, which is why it's such a foobard mess. And it's like, well, there's a recipe of getting back to the foundations. It's not that hard, but we do have to commit ourselves to doing it. And, and so... You know, I knew enough of the Bible. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm a seminary trained guy and I've I've been reading the Bible since I was six years old. So do I know it? Yeah, I really do. And um, we would place every article 
if it didn't have a specific Bible verse that it connected to, there's a passage of Scripture topically that addresses the same issue, so we would place it in that chapter and in that book. And so every article is strategically placed because of the material in the Bible that would make sense of it, and this would just be a historical application of that truth. And I'd love to say that we planned this, but you know, when we were finally done, I kind of, I think it was like, I don't know, 2.30, 3.30 in the morning, and I just sat back and I went, no way. I think we have created the modern day version of the Geneva Bible because we have the scriptures itself, but now we have the wisdom-filled commentary and ideas of all the founders that established the foundation for the the freest, the most prosperous, the most stable representative government that's ever been known to the face of the earth. I don't believe we're that today anymore, but we were then. And I sat there and I, I texted David and I just said, David, I think we have created the modern day version of the Geneva Bible. And crazy enough, I think it was like 430 something, wherever he was, he texted me back. And he said, that's it. That's perfect. That's the best description of what we've done. And so like he and I would, we'd be texting late at night between two or three in the morning. Cause you know, he's got a full life. I got a full life. And that was sort of like the only time that we could connect, but um, it was just kind of exciting to, to, you know, walk through this whole process. I had no idea that we were going to write 1200 pages. I think we first started out with the idea that maybe we'll end up with about, you know, 1700 pages, a basic Bible is about 1100, 1200 pages. And we we overshot that runway by almost seven hundred more pages. <laughs> wow! So it's a it's a fat chicken, um, but it is worth its weight in gold. That's amazing. Now, once you got this put together, the, the, assembling this, formatting this, the whole process—that's another big step, right? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, normally a, a publishing house would take two years to do something like this. We did it in um, seven months, running about 20-hour days, and it was exhausting. And there was a whole, like the design firm, Cashel Peterson Associates, that they, they put it all together. They had some incredible artists. I mean, they were pulling out artwork and 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 matching it with the content. And, and just, it is probably a museum piece work of art, to be honest. I think one of the things I'm a little frustrated with is, if you have a copy of the Founder's Bible, you could just sort of thumb through it and look at all the pretty pictures like you would in a magazine and have a very satisfying experience. <laughs> but I'm going like, okay, maybe that's not helpful because if you don't read it, it will not ignite your soul. And so I, I, I can tell the difference between someone who's read it and someone who's magazined it. And um, we, we hired a guy... Um, Michael Dudash to be um, our resident artist because one of the things I realized is a lot of the art that we had always put the founders as a bunch of guys in 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 coats and in wigs and it's sort of like high society and and the truth is that's not even remotely true. All of them were landowners. All of them had dirt under their fingernails. All of them had to set aside their wig. And they only wore that to do the, the, the perfunctory things of, of, of government ruling stuff. But these were guys with muscles. They were guys that tilled the earth. 
They worked with livestock. They had to all be very proficient in guns and musketry and all that other stuff. And cart writing was you didn't you didn't just go down to the hardware store and buy something. If you needed something, you had to make it. And all these guys were inventors. They I mean it's like like they were they were some of the most, I think, amazing brain trust of the entire planet, all brought together in one place to basically do something that had never been done on the face of the earth. They decided to combine their their thoughts, their philosophy, their understanding of the heart of God and the truth of scripture. And they decided to say, we're going to set men free. And we, we believe in, in, in this thing. Men have the capacity for self-government. That's powerful. And the rest of them are, no, never. Not common, man. No. They're, they're just reprobating ruffians. They're, they're like a, you know, chattel. It's like they're not like gentlemen. And it's like, no, um, we beg to differ. They are all created in the image of God. And we believe that the whole notion of the, that all men are created equal wasn't about racism. It wasn't about slavery. It was about the simple Bible fact that no man has the right to rule over another. That's stunning. I mean, that's just that you just go like, wait a minute. Government doesn't rule over its citizens. That's an invalid use of government. Government, that's a tyranny. Government is supposed to be a servant to the true sovereign, which is the collective we the people. You had to source out a publisher. How difficult was it to source a publisher in the United States? I I didn't have to source out a publisher. I just decided to be one. Okay. But what about <laughs> printing? We had to find printers. Yeah. And uh, what I didn't know when we embarked upon this is I didn't know just how difficult it was to actually print on the thin, super light substrates of Bible paper. Had no idea about that. And so it has been a nightmare ever since we began finding um, printers who had available skill and press time and the machines capable of printing a fat 2,312-page Bible um, and do a good job where it's beautifully designed on one side and it doesn't blacken out the other sides. Like the paper has to have the right opacity. It has to have the right thinness. It needs to be able to allow the color to happen. I mean, it's like all these things I had nothing, I had no knowledge about, to be honest. I mean, no idea how big a challenge we were biting off. And my design partners, they had 40 years of history in it. I mean, Dave Cashel, um, he is probably the single greatest designer that this nation has ever produced, in all honesty, because, I mean, he was given this Lifetime Achievement Award of this evangelical you know, kind of annual thing that's given. And it's the only time it's ever been given to a designer. And it's like, wow, that, that's a statement of his prowess. And so they knew something about it, but it's like, again, they had designed work for others. It's not like together we had said, let's do this, you know, just by our bootstraps. So, you know, we have learned a ton um, through the painful trial and error, the, the mistakes and the challenges. Um, we did have the unfun dynamic of, you know, right when we were going to press, I was given a warning 
by George Soros and company direct. They said, if you go forward in producing this, we'll destroy you. I went, why do you care? Serious. I mean, of all things for George Soros to do, why do you need to go after me? Who am I? I I'm not. I'm not some celebrity known product. It's like, well, because of Glenn Beck and he was trying to destroy Glenn, and because of David Barton and them doing their, you know, Founders Fridays, they wanted to destroy and squash like a bug David Barton and everything that he was doing it, as it related to the founding of this nation. That's how important it was to the enemy. And when, and so they decided to go right to the source and threaten me. They figured I would, you know, be weak kneed and go like, oh no, terrible. We'll just, we'll fold. Well, they picked on the wrong guy because when you do that, I kind of raise my middle flag of my finger and <laughs> I just can't help it but go like, you said the wrong thing. The very thing that you just said made me want to do this even more. So I kind of said, screw you. And I didn't really think they'd be able to. Well, they loosed 70 bloggers to utterly destroy David Barton's um, release of this book about Thomas Jefferson called Jefferson Lies. They got another Christian publisher to pull it from the shelves and declare it poor scholarship right at the time that we're bringing out the Founder's Bible. <laughs> and you're just going like, serious? I mean, I, I, I called David. And I said, what's happening? And he said, Brad, I have no idea. This has never happened in all of publishing, to my knowledge and awareness, but somebody wants to destroy us. And I said, well, I know who. They just threatened me. And it's kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. They were surprised I was willing to stay in the game, but I just kind of went, I'm all in. And I knew that when we first released it, it's like, well, I don't have 70 bloggers to contend with the information attack that they were going to do. They mercilessly tried to destroy Barton. The good news is about like nine months into this whole thing, he brought a defamation suit against what they had said, and he won a million dollar judgment against them. And then the, the Jefferson lies was released. I mean, it's a phenomenal book, but it's like a lot of its essence is in the founder's Bible. And so it just was, it was a tough go from the get go that, you know, it's like, we've never had a treasure chest of marketing dollars to put behind it. So we're now into our sixth printing and it's happened because of the word of mouth. It's just individuals that have decided, like, I think this is amazing. So they talk about it, but I haven't spent a, a treasure chest of money in marketing because I, I haven't had it. And, you know, for 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 a book to be in its sixth printing, I mean, I have one employee. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the guy who – I'm chief forklift operator, you know? Um, <laughs> so – that's pretty amazing. It's kind of fun to see what's happened, but it's it's been a it's been a it's been a hard slog because we've had a lot of people that have wanted to squash it. I've had other printing houses that they have destroyed our Christmas sales like three years in a row because they wouldn't complete our print job according to the contract and the deadlines. And I'm going like, serious? You just want to mess with it? I mean, like in the last election. It wasn't until Joe Biden was actually, you know, fake inaugurated in that then they finally released our print run to us. They held on to it for two months after they had all my money 
and they didn't ever give us an explanation for why they didn't fulfill their contractual obligations, but they knew that they had, they had hundreds of millions in their bank balance and they knew I didn't. Let's talk about why you chose the version you did. Uh, NASB 1995. Um, it's the new American standard version. It seemed to, as opposed to the NIV, which is the nearly inspired version. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a little snob, but I learned in seminary. Um, the NASB is unique in the fact that it's the most recent um, translation of the scriptures into English. And the group that did it had a desire to bring the least amount of interpretive bias into their translation. Every English translation has has difficulty because they're not word for word direct equivalents from Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic and stuff like that. And so the reality is, is they 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 try to come with a dynamic equivalent. And then depending on the theological persuasion of the translators some have an anti-supernatural bias some have a desire for more poetic language and the nasb just tried to go as strong down the, the straight and narrow and just say we want to we want to retain the importance of technical words so where a single word is used and is used again we're not going to just bury the translation and give different adjectives for it or, or different nuances for readability. We actually want to peep, we want people to be able to track how that word is used because it's an important word. God chose it. And the NASB does a great job of staying true to that. And so it's not the easiest to read out loud. So some people don't like it as much. The NIV is a lot more, you know, graced for, you know, public speaking and stuff like that. But, um, the NASB also has this incredible asset that is unlike a lot of others. It has this um, center column cross-referencing that wherever these words are used, it gives you all the other verses of where they're used in the scripture. And some of the greatest insights I've ever had in just studying the Bible myself has been able to sort of chase down the meaning and use of words and discovering it for myself, as opposed to just being a parrot that heard it from somebody else, um, we made sure that this Bible had that capacity. We gave it a, a concordance and a topical reference and stuff like that. But there's for, for someone that really wants to know how this, you know, it's like if you're going to be a firearms guy, you better know how to pull apart your, your gun, clean it, and put it back together in the dark. Mm-hmm. And there's things that are in this Bible that are just for folks that want to go beyond just the reading of it, but then the study of it that are incredible tools. And the NASB, especially the 1995, it had all those bells and whistles. And I just, as a seminary trained guy, I had you know studied all the various different versions of Scripture. And I came away from my, my um, master's education going like, if you really want to be a good student of the Bible— the NASB is probably the one that's going to best facilitate that. You know, the King James Version is, is awesome as, as a translation, but it has some um, archaisms of meaning, how words migrate over time that, you know, there are places where you're not going to quite understand exactly what it's saying because those words don't mean the same thing that they did back when they were first penned. 
And the NASB kind of, you know, helps address that because it's, you know, one of the most modern day ones. Um, I'm being asked to be on 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 the board of a, a newer version, uh, the 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 ISV, which is sort of like the NASB 3.0. And I'm really excited to say yes to doing that because I found that there's things in the scriptures that have been intentionally messed with in terms of our English translations that in the original language, they're not confused. And so we're going to, we're going to bring forth another edition, um, but do it with a new translation that solves all those. And I'm super excited to, you know, get the resources pulled together to, to accomplish that. But the NASB is the one I have the greatest confidence in as a student of the scriptures. Your friend Bobby, the prophetic, reads AM, yeah. reads AMP. What's your thoughts? Um, I'm going to make a little joke, but it's an intentional one. Um, the AMP is for those who are hard of hearing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it basically is, it's wonderful for helping people understand the meaning who aren't necessarily going to do the scholarship to find out for themselves. And so, you know, I have I have several copies of the AMP and it's the amplified version. And that's why I say it's for the hard of hearing. But it what it does is for those that don't know, you know, the original languages and aren't gonna take the time to study out meanings of words, it does a great job of packing around different verses, added words, that would help you understand the core of what's trying to be communicated. So as you know, I know you've become fond of it. I, I, I love Bobby to death because he's just, he's probably one of the, I think one of the better communicators of the essence of the truth of God's word. And so um, he fired me up about the Amplified as well. It's just, if we tried to um, publish the Founders Bible in the Amplified version, it'd probably be a 200 pages more yeah <laughs> definitely and you'd need a little you'd need a little cart to pull it along <laughs> with you it's like it's already big enough for most people and it's like i i'm i'm you know as as a marketing publisher guy the thinner the winner and i got a two inch fat chicken that i'm really trying to make sure doesn't intimidate people because it's it's kind of like i don't think we have any extra fluff in it but it's sort of like if you want if you had to rebuild this nation and the most essential foundations of truth, history, and the the primary issues of life, if you were to give the most important material that kind of focus, that's kind of I think that's what we've amassed in the Founders Bible. I mean, I think that's why every last page matters, because it will give you an understanding. This is how a life built on the Bible and a community that's committed to truth and liberty for everyone, this will get you there. Absolutely. Talk about something that's very, I'm, I have no understanding of this. When you get into the different versions of the Bible, as a publisher, are you dealing with copyright issues? Yeah. Every one of those translations is owned by somebody. And so, um, you know, one of the biggest problems I have, which is, I don't think most people understand is, I have to pay out almost 40% of the, the, the retail price of this Bible. I have to pay out, I have to pay that out to others. Wow. 
So, I mean, it's like, I think people, why do you have to charge for the word of God? I'm going like, well, it wasn't my idea. I, I cannot <laughs> give this for free. And I'm contractually obligated to the people that helped put this together to pay those kinds of costs out. And it's, it's super prohibitive. And, you know, our, our, um, you know, we chose the NASB because of the value of what it is. I could have gone with uh, an ancient version of the King James version and used it royalty free, but I don't think that would have helped um, people's understanding as well. It would have been a lot cheaper for me. Um, I think that, you know, to the, to the Lockman foundation's credit, they have been such a marvelous partner. They have, they have just been nothing but servants and help to us. They haven't been a hindrance and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with it, but, um, with the ISV, if we bring it out, um, I actually won't have to pay anyone for that because I'll be part of the people that are bringing it out. So we can actually save some cost and yeah. putting it together. So that's that's why there's, there is a desire to try to accomplish that. It's just, it's a gargantuan feat. It's never been actually put, I mean, the translation's done. Um, we, we need to do a, another round of changes to it to make it even better. Um, but it's never been printed in physical print. And, you know, with the looming problem of uh, solar flares, lightning, and um, a planned destruction of society, You've been listening I think to having my EMP physical coffee is about as important as it, it, it comes. It's like, you know what? I, I, I love the power of computers, but there will, be, there will come a day that the lights will be out. And if you don't have thy word hidden in your heart and you don't have a physical copy, you're going to be without a lamp. That's well said. And so the, the importance of printing this and getting it printed. And, you know, it's like this last print run. Um, just so people don't, I mean, I had to basically um, wipe out every last little account I had um and and foreclose on all of my future to scrape together the cost of this last print run and what should have only taken eight to 12 weeks has taken eight months because of supply chain issues and the just the scheduling hassles and just i think every last demon of hell has tried to make sure we couldn't get this printed again um and it's like we're we we have a whole bunch of the hard covers, this part of the stitcher to do the perimeter stitching that makes the leather versions really cool has broken twice. And you can only get the part from China and go like, no way. Let me come over there and fix it. I got a good set of tools. I'll, I'll find a, I'll find a 3d <laughs> printer. It's like, please, you cannot tell me that there's no way to fix this, but I have just been exhausted in the last, you know, few months going like, seriously, can we just get this finished? Because it, I, I need these before the next EMP. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. We'll be back. Now there we'll be back to the Gutenberg press, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's like, but, but I, I, I look at this and it's like, I, I do, I, I would challenge people, folks, if you do not have printed hard copies of the things that are valuable and essential, you are making a massive blunder because we are very fragile. I mean, I look, I have a lot of friends that have produced a lot of content, but it's like they live in the digital space and I'm going like, someone's about to hit delete on your entire life's work. Mm -hmm. 
don't don't do that don't don't let that happen it's like that's too valuable and it's not like it's for sale it's like you have to have this in your hand and just because you have a bible on the shelf if you don't have the bible in your heart it's not going to do you any good i mean i i I so i so appreciated the other night where you just kind of challenge people to dig into this and read it and i'm just going like you know the reason the world is in such a mess it's not because the church sucks and that, that preachers don't tell the truth but the truth is is if all you know is what someone else has told you you're not committed to it yet Yes, well said. They might have told you the right truth. They they might have said the right thing, but the truth is, is you don't know it until you know it for yourself, and your conscience doesn't work. It doesn't just because I heard it. My conscience doesn't just get instructed. I have to say yes and amen, and somehow write it on my heart. Your your conscience does not come fully loaded. It's a blank slate, and you can actually write the wrong things on it. And it will hold you to the wrong things. You'll think you're right, but you're actually wrong. Why? Because you're trafficking in the opinions of men. Good. You know, it's like the Bible defines what sin is. Whatever is not done from faith in Romans is sin. What? You mean it's not just looking at naked ladies? No, it's not just looking at naked ladies. Whatever's not done of faith is sin. And what does that mean? That means you're not supposed to do stuff unless you're confident on the inside that it's right and it's true and it's what you should be doing. If you're not clear on that, do not pass go. Do not act until you make your convictions sure. When was the last time sin was defined that way for you? It's good. And so, I mean, it's like, I don't read the Bible so that I can go like, hey, aren't you proud of me? Getting a star on my chart. I read the Bible so that I can actually know what's true. And I don't want to know what you think about it. And I really don't know just what I think about it. It's like, hey, God, can you actually send the Holy Spirit here so you can tell me what you meant by this? And so as I'm reading it, will you help me write it on my heart? David said, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's like super smart. Mm -hmm. I I think I'm I'm agreeing with you. There's an urgency I get the sense of right now. It's part of what I was expressing last night as well. That there's a pressing of this to read it right now as if we are heading into something. I think we've we've talked a lot about over time just the potential, the the, the fragile state in which we are as a nation, as a world, and there really is an urgency. And I, I'm getting this constantly, and it's not just me, but I'm saying for myself and others are getting this constantly as a word of read now, get it in you, get it in you and hold that Bible and have it in paper form. You, you, you know where I think that comes out of? I think it comes out of the book of Daniel when Daniel was shown stuff. And it's like that one guy, had such a relationship with God that God decided to show him the whole epoch of time and history and lay it out. 
and people haven't believed that the book of Daniel could have actually been written when it was because how in the world could he know the things with the accuracy with which he wrote them? But it says at the end of Daniel, it's like, you know, seal that up. Don't don't share that because at some point I'm going to open up the wisdom and the knowledge and and I will reveal these things. I mean, the Bible has this really cool thing of revealing mysteries. It's kind of like God has ever since the beginning played hide and seek where he hides the truth from the disinterested, but he shows it with great joy to the folks who are hungry that will go search it out. It says Proverbs 25, 2 says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. And I got to tell you, when I first heard that, I'm going like, oh, I am going on a treasure hunt. I it, 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 is, it is my nature as a king. It's an expression of my essence to go search for the truth. And I want to know that. And I want to know it for myself. And I want it spoken to me from him. I think God is unveiling things that have actually kind of been hidden on purpose until the time at which they mattered the most. I got to tell you, Scott, the last like three months of um, my personal study, I have never been more captured by the word of God and the things that I'm learning. I've, I've learned things in the last three months that are so important that I have never known as clearly as I understand now that I'm going like, how is it at age 57, I haven't majored and understood this? And how is it that as educated as I am in the scriptures, why is it just now coming clear to me to see this now? And it's like, I got, I mean, I, I can't, I can't keep quiet about it. I'm just going like, this is so amazing. It's, I have a brand new fresh Bible. It's like, I have studied this thing since I was a wee little lad. And now I'm going like, oh my gosh, it's all new again, because I'm understanding things I didn't understand before. Which is what's so cool about the Bible is like, you know what, when the Holy Spirit actually illumines your understanding with his, oh, I don't think there's something more fun on the planet. There really isn't. I'm just going like, oh, this is the best. So I, I agree. Where where does this go next? You've got the Founders Bible. I know that you've mentioned to me that you're you've talked about a new translation. I know that you've been your your research has continued. You even alluded to it earlier in this show tonight about how things that you've gone through and you've looked at it differently now or added to it. Where do you see this as the next iteration or next step? Um, one, I just want to keep getting an arsenal of um, physical copies stuffed in a warehouse so we don't run out. Um, we're trying to get our own physical printer so that I don't have to be held hostage. It's like what should have only took 12 weeks should never and can never take eight months to do. And so we're we're finding our own supply lines. It's like I need I need I need some wealthy philanthropic people that are committed to the mission of the Bible to help us um, secure this stuff. And I trust that you know God has he he knows how to provide. So I'm not I'm not so much worried about that. But we need to we need to get that done so that we have our own siloed capacity to print. Because at some point, they're going to say, you can't print it anymore. They're going to say, you can't say those things. I mean, China is already changing the scriptures. 
and digital versions are going to be just easily corrupted and people if they don't know it they won't know it i mean they've taken passages such like the when jesus is you know talking to the you know to the woman caught in adultery china has already changed the version of the bible that they want people to know is that as opposed to him saying to her go and sin no more and neither do i condemn you in their version they have him stoning her wow you, you think you think that's a problem a little bit <laughs> my goodness and if you don't know the bible and you read it how are you going to know at that point when you didn't know it before how are you going to know it's not that really i mean I, that i just i go like oh my gosh how important is the bible well if it's that important for them to mess with it then i'm going to give my life to the pres preservation of it and the propagation of it so that people know it um you know, I was vexed after doing the Founder's Bible, as was my son. My oldest son, um, the last two years of his high school education, he spent just traveling with me and helping get this done. And he decided at the end of it, said, Dad, if this is if this is the reason and how and why the foundation was set for this country, then I need to go to D.C. and I need to help get back some public servants. And so he's he's given his life to, you know, focused on that. But both of us were frustrated going like, wait a minute, if this is our foundation, please explain the mess we're in now. And so I have subsequently drafted out 142 different articles that I haven't written out, but I have, you know, tractor beamed down as to the subject matter that would explain what's happened between our founding and now that leaves us in this predicament. You know, I think one of the things that I wish I had understood better at the founding of, you know, when we did this, uh, when we first brought it out is I really didn't have the language of understanding common law. And I realize now it's all in it's all in the articles of what we have, but it's not as like highlighted with clarity as that was the assumed foundation that the founders were building on. It's like it wasn't just, oh, gee, they got their wisdom from the Bible. They're going like, no, 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 no. The laws of nature and nature's God is code for common law. And th they're saying these are the self-evident truths. It's like, why is two plus two four? Nobody stops to give you a proof for that. It's just, it's true. It is. You can't do math without that being true. Common law is that reality of self-evident truths. Where do they get all that? from the bible that's that's your that's where you understand your authority it's like our rights come from god they don't go they they don't come from government government isn't beneficent in giving me some rights no they've faked us out we're confused on that but my rights come from god i then collectively with a group of other people establish a government to defend and protect those rights Government doesn't have a single power and authority that we, the people, don't grant them. And, and when I grant them the use of that power, I am not restrained. I still have that same power. You don't get it. You don't get to take it from me. You're supposed to be a servant of the thing that I've given you. You don't become my boss. 
The collective people of America are the forgotten sovereign. If we knew that, we would never be in this mess. If we understood where the truth of all that came from, which was the word of God, we wouldn't be arguing over these things of personal preference because if the Bible doesn't say something, then you have liberty of conscience. But if the Bible gives a clear directive, then guess what? That's the law we have. Contrary to what a lot of people do in religion, God did not write an awful lot of law. He has very little when it comes to law. And if we would understand that, we would be able to live in harmony with each other because I would know the essentials that are unarguable. And then I would know, you know what? This is where there isn't a clear directive. And so you get to work out your opinion. I get to work out my opinion. And we're commanded to respect one another's liberty and operate in such a way that I don't impinge your capacity to live in liberty. And if we would do this, the culture war that is raging and destroying people and the Hegelian dialectic where it's the, the you know, the, the, the elites get us to fight each other, we wouldn't do that if we understood the common foundations of truth. That's why the Bible is so essential, because it's like, if you don't know it, you won't know who you are. You won't know what your rights are. You won't know what truth is. And you certainly won't know how to defend them. You won't recognize when they're being abused. It's good. Digital world. In these new, new modern printing facilities, all your files are digital, right? So I... They are, but if you have a siloed air gap solution <laughs> and and you you protect your building and you you uh, th there are ways to protect this and still harness why we have while we have electricity, there are ways to do this. And I have I have you know we we've been we've been researching all of this for about a year, and and I I have a lot of fun with most of the you know the the mucky mucks of these companies asking them questions that nobody's ever asked before because I come at it from the very reason I think you're asking the question. It's like the digital world is very fragile. It can be attacked. It can be infiltrated. It can be corrupted. So how do you protect against that? Mm -hmm. Especially with and, AI. And so, yeah, we've been at pains to try to figure out, you know, should, should we, should we get those kind of equipment? It's like, part of me is going like the sheer cost of being able to bring down by 30 to 40 percent that I would otherwise have to pay someone else in profit and their labor to be able to bring that down will simply be able to enable us to be better stewards of turning this into physical print. Um, you know, we do have a we have we do have a digital version that is just phenomenal because it has search capacities that your physical print Bible doesn't have. And so we, we've, we've made a companion for it in the, in the digital version. And I'm trying to get that also um, done so that it can also be done on your your desktop, because I don't know how many people, you know, with aging eyes really enjoy just staring at their phone. Um, so we're we're, we're 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 trying to expand those capacities. And that would also allow us to constantly bring updates to articles and further on material. We're developing a curriculum and stuff like that. But again, I would I would say at some point. 
we're going to be back to just the physical earth and we're not going to have the conveniences of our modern luxuries. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know whatever, but at some point I do recognize that's a, that's a danger point. And so that's why for me, I'm, I'm wanting to harness the power of the internet and digital world, as well as being diligent to amass the physical print stuff, knowing that at one point that can all go away, the, the digital side, but the physical print won't. What's the practicality of going to an older style printing that's pre-digital? I think it's really valuable. It's just, I don't know that there's any way to do them mass. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reality is, is that will become a local capacity. And when you, when you look at the founding era, I mean, they had those, it's like, you know, I don't think people realize, you know, Benjamin Franklin was a publisher. He was a printer. Um, we wouldn't have the first great awakening if it wasn't for Franklin's friendship with George Whitfield. They were such best buddies that Whitfield um, had a, you know, Franklin built him a bedroom in his house so that every time he came through, he had a place to stay and they would stay up until the wee hours of the night. Just going like, I'm sorry, no secular dude does that with the greatest evangelist of the you know, first great awakening, but all of that was done because of the power of publishing and they were printing that stuff. Hmm. And, you know, one of those amazing things about David Barton's, you know, library is they have these, you know, just poster size, you know, calls to prayer, fasting, and humiliation. We do prayer and fasting. We've stopped doing the humiliation thing. <laughs> the, I choose to humble myself before you, Lord. You just go like, God only gives his grace to the humble. It's like he doesn't give it to the people that, you know, let me humble you. It's like God does not do that to people. That's only something you can choose to do. But when we choose to humble ourselves before the living God and cry out to him in the true, honest declaration of our, of our need, going like, God, we simply do not have the power to do this. This nation was founded on those calls to prayer, fasting, and humiliation. And, 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 and that was done because somebody had a letterpress that they did that, and then they put it up on a tree. They put it up on the side of, you know, somebody's business. And you're just going like, they called, they didn't just do a prayer meeting with just their friends. They called the entire town, the entire region, the entire state, the entire colonies to times of prayer and fasting. And, you know, we, we've talked about this. I, I think that they shifted into different dimensions of spiritual warfare than they really had language to understand, but they knew God is not absent from the, the, the affairs of mankind. Nations don't rise and fall except by his hand. Mm -hmm. And so our unseen friend is, actively present in the outworking of the affairs of men, but he needs must be invited. So let's put it, kind of pull it together, put it all in context of today with this founder's Bible. As I've said, there's the, I think there's three critical Bibles in our time. One is the Geneva Bible, which sets us off as a, as a revolutionary a country to have a revolution, to set up a country under kingdom rule. We have the Schofield Bible, which takes us down that rabbit hole of, which is actually funded by Rothschilds. That's a total psyop yeah, Bible. Yeah, right, the psyop Bible. It takes us into this end of times theory, 
which sets us up for everything we're trying to fight today. And then where I see is the Founder's Bible, which you were anointed to bring. And I think that's a, and I, I really wanted to bring this to that focal point because it's, it's a rare point when we're able to talk to somebody that's been given such a gift to bring something this magnificent into the world and just kind of give your personal thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I had an understanding when we embarked on it, to be honest. I didn't know how important it was going to be. It was kind of like, you know, I I am here's 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 my little approach towards life. Trust and obey for there's no other way <laughs> to, to be happy in Jesus. It's like when he says something, it's like, okay, then I'm gonna do that. Why? Well, because he said that. And so that was that was the simplicity in which we embarked on this. I think you know, this came out in 2011 going into 2012, and I think. 12 years later, I'm looking at this and going like, no flipping way. This is so important. If I had tried to pull this together now, I probably wouldn't be able to. We've pulled it together. It's there. It's foundational. And it's like, you know, if you have the best gun on the planet, but you have no bullets, you're not going to win a revolution. The bullet is the individual, my mouth and my obedience. If I don't if, if I don't get the truth in there, I got nothing to say and nothing to do and nothing that's going to bring influence in this world. And so when I look at, you know, what God helped put together, you know, was I involved? Yeah. I mean, I spent 20, 22 hour days. I worked myself like a dog. I got life every day. I, I never woke up bummed. But I, I applied myself with diligence to do something that many others would not. But I was passionate, and everyone else that was a part of this project equally was just as much. It's like, so, you know, I might carry something, but I'm not carrying it alone. I'm carrying it as a company of people. You know, it's like this is David Barton's life's signature work. I think this is the finest thing that the designers, uh, you know, Cashel Peterson, um, John Peterson, Dave Cashel, this is their finest. Oh, I mean, this would be the opus of their life's work. I mean, they 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 pulled together their skill. This Bible looks like it's a four color, massive thing. It's actually done in two tones, but because Dave Cashel knows how to paint with that mastery, he brought something out. That was his gift. You know, like the little drummer boy, it's like, you know, he plays his song for the Lord. David played his skill unto the Lord as an incredible act of worship. And I think that's why there's an anointing on this, that when people will actually dig into it, it really does fire you up. When all of a sudden you learn the truth of our history, the more I dig into these guys' lives, the more human they become and the more extraordinary this is. Because I don't have a false fantasy about them. They're not perfect. They're people just like us. But wow, they went all in. And they 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 were sacrificial. They were others centered. I mean, it's like God God bless all the charismatic church. And I love I love casting out demons, praying for the sick, talking in tongues. But but you know the greatest work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is to dethrone the selfish self 
and when they become other-centered, I know the Holy Spirit's at work. That is so extraordinary when someone says, not focused on just me. The founders that laid this foundation, they knew they were doing something that would echo in the halls of eternity. They knew that what they were doing today would have ramifications far beyond their lifetimes, and they were willing to sacrifice for it. I just kind of go like, wow, we're being given the baton from those guys. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's really good. Woe to us if we drop it. You know, Ray, I don't know what people think about Ronald Reagan. He's 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 not on my Hall of Fame of anything, but he did understand some incredible stuff. And he said something that I have put on the big, on, on the on the quote of every single email I've ever sent out on behalf of the Founders Bible, and it's 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 a it's a single page at the end. Of, it's part of his speech where he says, "Freedom is a fragile thing. That perhaps we have lived too long with such a miracle as to be able to fully account for it and understand it. That." Freedom only comes to a generation once in its lifetime. And if it's ever lost, it never returns. It's huge. It's going like, no way. Most of us have not paid the price personally of having to fight for what was entrusted to us. You know, we were, we're like the last runner in a super long race and everyone that ran ahead of us really gave us quite a lead. <laughs> and then they hand us the baton. And all we have to do is run our lap. And most of us are, are too busy doing something else to even realize what's been handed to us. And the criticalness of this hour. And that it's 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 basically the future. I mean... Reagan also said, the last great hope of mankind is, is, is in the recipe of this nation. We're not better than any other ethnicity or nationality. We just have been given, I think, a greater gift than most nations ever have in terms of the foundations to know what personal liberty really is. And I'm 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 kind of I'm I'm concerned because I don't think people value it i don't think they understand how precious and how rare it really is and i don't think they understand that once you lose it you don't get it back well i think one of the most disturbing statements i say in my life is this i didn't understand freedom and liberty until i did the work i did in afghanistan and then i was more free there than i've ever been here how's that wow yeah. I mean, th- this was <laughs> the land of the free and home of the brave. Right. I don't really say that very strongly anymore because I'm going like, it was, but I don't want it to be absent from us. And I I think the thing that, I mean, yeah, if, if there's something that riles me more than anything else, it's when I start to see the absolute tyranny that is being imposed upon us everywhere and i'm going like if there's a whole bunch of farmers that can get out in the streets and spray poop everywhere 
to to just give the middle finger to their government because they know it's wrong. What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, I just go, where is the heart of America to recognize this moment going like, I don't need to fight with my neighbor. I don't need to have a, a racial issue with anybody else. We're all in this together. I, I and think... there's far more with us than are with them. If we would simply wake up and say, we're not going to do this. This is not okay. Things will change. Well, I think that gets to the very core of what drives me so much with the Founders Bible. It's because when you read it, it all comes into focus. I mean, when you take the time and it, it's literally open up page one and read through to the end. Don't, totally. don't cherry pick, just read through and read every article and read it all in its fullness. And when you do that, the whole story comes into focus. And I think this is what they've done so brilliantly at in their education psyop and their operations is one, you sever the Bible from our education foundation and two, you obscure our, of the truth of our founding fathers. Once you have that, you're nobody. You've lost your identity in the world. That, that's why we actually put these two together. I mean, it'd be far cheaper to separate them. Just buy a Bible and here's the articles. But the truth is I sat there going like, you know what? It's far more powerful when you see the very verse that exploded with revelation, insight, and passion in that guy's life that mm -hmm. changed the world because he finally understood that. That's so invaluable because now I don't have to argue about the importance of the Bible. You get to see it lived out right in front of you when you read that article. And you go like, no way. That's what inspired that? It's like, yeah. yeah I don't have great. to give an altar call after the article. You know, part of me is going like, I don't need to tell you. You must become a Jesus follower and a church goer. I'm going like, no. The truth is, is if you know the truth, good luck not wanting to. <laughs> once you understand where it comes from, yeah. once you open up the dialogue, I don't have to convince you of anything. This stuff matters because it works. It bears fruit. What's so amazing about all these founder guys is, is after they set up the foundations of government, a good 85 to 90 percent of them went to spend their winter season of life, the last quarter of their life, establishing Bible societies, printing the Bible and getting the Bible into the hands of every citizen in this nation. Why? Because they knew if I can get the Bible inside the heart of the citizens of this nation, we will not have to exhaust the treasury and trying to restrain the evil therein. This thing <laughs> of self-government will actually work if the word of God will be unleashed in the life of an individual. And they will see for themselves the light of truth and the fruit and the prosperity of living life this way. I mean, wisdom is defined as skill at living life. Welcome to the book of Proverbs. That's the whole point. Give me skill at living life. Not put a star on my chart because I read my devotion. It's like, I don't give a rat's rear end about a star on your chart, but I hope you get truth on the inside because it will explode and wonderful fruit for your life 
and your neighbor and your children and their children's children. So, yeah. It's good. Read it, please. Yeah. Read it. <laughs> Open it. Buy one. Read it. Read Simple. it. Read it. Read it again. Exactly. And, and look, it, 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 I did. I wrote every single introduction to every one of the books of the Bible. I outlined it all. And I wrote it like not some seminary professor trying to impress another seminary professor. I wrote it to someone who says, I have no idea what's in that book. Why should I read it? Why does this matter to my life? Please help me understand what's important in it. And I, I did all of that. I did every single book of the Bible in two months. Then we should be able to read it in 11 days. That's my push. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you, if I can outline it all and distill it down to one page for each book of the Bible, that's not easy. But if I can do that and I can do all 66 books in less than two months, Please do not tell me I can't read through the Bible in a year. It's like you should be able to read through the Bible six or seven times in a year. 100%. Yeah. 100%. We just don't. And we need to. There's this. This is why. I, and and I, you and I have had this discussion, but I mean, I, it's kind of why there's two shows, increasingly just two. There is the need to have scripturally grounded, and then there's people like to have the interpretation of news. But in truth, we could get rid of all the news in our world and do one thing and just read the Bible, and we would be fine. Tune, tune everything else out. This last month, I have spent so much time just getting lost in my own fresh reading of the Bible. Mm -hmm. I haven't paid attention to the news. I haven't really been on my phone as much, and I have been so much happier so much more well-equipped yes. to deal with life and everything else. Because why? Because, man, I'm being fired up and I'm being led by the guy who's promised to be sent to come alongside to be my helper and to guide me into all truth. And because I spend time talking to the Holy Spirit and saying, please give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Fill me with your love that I might know the length, the depth, the height, the breadth of the depth of the love of God. And fill me up to the all the fullness of the body of the Godhead bodily. That's a lot. Because I ask him and because I spend time, man, this thing just works. There's life in it. It does. Well, Brad, we always close with a prayer. You want to lead it? Yes. God, I ask that you would do a worldwide infection that you would be the virus for which there is no antidote. <laughs> and would you be a super spreader of passion for the truth that God, I pray that there would be a crown of glory that you would inject into the bloodstream of every single person. And it would make them, it would just utterly change them into a new creation because the light of life is now flowing through their veins. They're seeing it. They're tasting it. They're living it. And they're exploding with a changed, transformed life. Because the truth really works like that. It's a person. So God, would you reveal yourself to everybody that's listening? Would you remove the drudgery of religious duty? 
And would you inflame them with passion for the word of God? Would you tractor beam them to your heart? And would you help them just understand it? Lord, give them the grace to begin and then just not quit. It's good. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you this evening and just an inspired conversation about what I truly believe is, and I think it's come through clearly in prayer. This one of the, it is the most important book that we have in our time. And this particular version, the Founder's Bible, which I think there's not a more important version of the Bible than this in our time. Father, just pray for Brad that the anointing that he has on him, that fire will only grow and that his passion to bring this Bible into the world, which I personally believe is the most important mission anybody could ever have, may that blessing fall upon him. May that fire ignite him to such a degree that he becomes truly the carrier of the word of our time to awaken the hearts and passions of men to restore this nation, not just in terms of scripture, but to lead them back to governance as you intended. Mm. So guide us, Father, and thank you for him and all that he brings in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. I received that. I'm glad you do. That was truly on my heart to tell you. There's no better way to tell you than in prayer. Yeah. It's good. Thank you, dude, for your friendship. Thank you for your passion behind this. Thank you that uh, I, I remember we got connected because somehow this thing lit you up before you even knew about me. Yeah, it um, did. It had me on fire. Yeah, I said to go like, hey, wow, we have a live fish here. And so it's been it's been awesome to see you devour it, to be hungry for it, and to see it uh, bear fruit in you. Thank you. And thank you for your friendship. It's humbling. It's To listen to you tonight is truly humbling, Brett. And it's the passion that you bring to this. I read it with, I, I read it with a personal joy that not everybody has, but I hope that they gain some of it through these interviews. And it's knowing you. And to see this, and especially I've taken time, some real time the last few days to go through these introductory words. And that's why I wanted you to tell the story tonight, because there's so much in this, as you've shared so many stories of your life with me. And to really see that come to life and to bring the Word of God to such a profound uh, ignition uh, under the Holy Spirit. And it really is there when we apply this. And you know, without being able to say specifics because of some sensitivity to this, but I've told you, we're on this mission right now to get Bibles in the hands of special operators, and it's working, and it's amazing because they're not required to take them, but like we're running 75% absorption of, I'll take a founder's Bible. This is incredible. Wow. So exciting about that, right, and just how important that is in this hour that we're in. So thank you, and I guess, you know, it, it's it's almost a little bit understated to say, but I'm just going to say it. We're, we're indebted for you to, for saying yes to God because this is how important this is. So thank you. Amen. All right. Ha, ha. It is my pleasure. Do they say that? I think they say that at, at, at Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. It's <laughs> not the last place I went to God, but okay. That's like no move. There you go. And... <laughs> my pleasure. They won't like my cows. That's good. Brad, bless you, man. Thank you for coming on tonight. God bless you. We'll talk okay. soon. Okay. Take care, man. Thank you, man. God bless. Patriots, that was Brad Cummings. And if you know Brad Cummings, like I do, you, this is uh, this Founder's Bible is truly a blessed gift to humanity. It's not just uh, it's not just another book. It's not just another Bible. And I think that's what's so profound is when you talk to somebody or hear somebody like this who's really given something to all of humanity, 
uh, that's a legacy that very few of us ever get to walk in. And so it's a great honor to have him on. It's a, it's a humbling walk in my life to have him as a friend and, and, and a brother. And, um, just anxious to where we can continue to explore this. And I do challenge you, as I said last night, if it was one birthday wish I had, it would be that everybody would own a Founder's Bible, everybody would read it cover to cover, and you would do it so fast and so hard, you just keep doing it all year long. And that's really the mission that God put on my heart for myself, challenge I put to you, light it up and just go for it. There's, and if you don't like the Founder's Bible, then just pick up a Bible. I mean, whatever it is, just read it from cover to cover. And I think that that's the first thing we spend a lot of time talking about marinating in the word and reading deep into verses, but you know, I think the most important sometimes is just read it. Begin from the beginning, end at the end. It's all one happy story when it all comes together. So, Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. And before I forget it, if you use your Bard's code on this, seriously, B-A-R-D-S, when you buy one, you get 20% off of these Bibles, so you have no excuse. Hop on over there and buy them. Matter of fact, now I've got to go back and re-edit the beginning of the show because i got to add in the Founder's Bible pitch because I didn't even do it. I can't believe it. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. All right, Patriots, have a good night. God bless and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deep